Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. I think it's fair to say that anyone who has been in a long-term monogamous relationship with kids has had some kind of conflict with their partner. I'm talking fights about who does the cooking, who's the good or bad cop, or why changing the toilet roll really does matter. Emma Power believes that conflict is, in some ways, inevitable. It's how we deal with that conflict that's the making of us. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, it's great to be here. And of course, I am referring to your latest book, which is called When Love Goes South, which is a very pithy little thing that you can pick up and scroll through. Um, (laughs) I just want to say that this book is such a relief, mainly just because it's acknowledging what you really don't want to admit yourself. And that is most relationships have conflict. Like for some reason, we don't want to admit that to ourselves, do we? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, everybody experiences conflict and you're right, we're not talking about it. And even when I was, you know, discussing the title of this book, When Love Goes South, with my publicist and my publisher and my our marketing team, it was actually tricky to get it over the line. So we weren't we weren't going to title it this for quite some time. And essentially, you know, if you're buying this book, when love goes south, it's a guide to turn conflict around. So you're admitting that you experience conflict simply by buying the book and that's not normalised, you know. And for me, it's so important that we move away from that old paradigm of just putting on the front of pretending everything's okay. You know, it's time (laughs) that we start to get really honest about our mental health and what's happening in our relationships and and we're having we need to be having those authentic conversations so even within the book it's one of the reasons i really intentionally put in personal examples so there's lots of examples about you know from my clients but i also include personal examples about conflict that i experience with my husband to really reiterate this this truth that everyone experiences conflict and it's normal and it needs to be normalized. Yeah, I mean, because mainly I think the relief for me is that, you know, uh, my kids are now turning eight and they're 10. So we've, my husband and I have had quite a bit of time to adjust to parenting life and a relationship. But it's also a period of time where lots of my friends are separating and divorcing. And yeah. so you get into a conversation with someone about, how annoying it is that your partner doesn't change the toilet roll Uh, and they come back with, oh, yeah, my ex used to do that. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. And so all of a sudden you're thinking, huh, I thought that was just a little little bump. It's not something huge, but they got divorced over it. You know, you start thinking you've got real problems. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's a lot of those little things that build up. It's the small moments that become the culture of our relationships. So, yeah, it's really we're addressing those things and we're doing it well. Yes, well, <laughs> that's why we need your book. Um, because when you say we're doing it well, it reminded me of something Michelle Obama talked about in her book. And she talked about learning how to fight right with Barrack uh, over the course of their marriage. So saying at the beginning, she didn't know how to do it properly. 
And I'm wondering if you see this book as a as a guide on on kind of working out how to do that. So she's saying, don't avoid conflict, but learn <laughs> how to handle it when it comes up in a mature and adult way, I guess. Yes, absolutely. A lot of, you know, what we're fighting over would have a completely different tone if we had a different approach or a different idea around conflict. We're so used to conflict feeling disastrous. And, you know, as a result, there's a lot of emotion and tension that comes with that. But if we can shift our mentality and recognize that conflict, it's an enormous gateway for growth. Yeah, but so often our systems are in such high alert that we can't really relax our responses around conflict in order to fight right. But as for this book being a guide on that, yes, I would say a good chunk of the middle of the book is a guide on how to fight right. But it's so much more than that because what I wanted this book to be about was that, you know, when we back it up a bit, there's a lot of things that we can be doing to prevent conflict from occurring in the first place. So yes, we want to fight right, but there's so many things we can do to prevent the fight before that even, before it even occurs or it goes down. I love when you say that because there's so much of this job that I do where I'm interviewing people about adult relationships and there are echoes of the same interviews I'm having with other experts about children's development. So what you just said there in terms of prevention, you yes. know, it, we, we seem to be learning the same lessons in a slightly different context, even though we're older. Yes, and that's, that's absolutely right. It's like our relationships with our children teach us so much about ourselves and so do our relationships with our intimate partners and our other loved ones. And, and essentially, this book is designed to actually be this beautiful unfolding of, first and foremost, understanding ourselves. Once we start to understand and get to know ourselves, we then start to understand each other. And from there, we learn how to fight right and then it's not just about fighting right, but it's about what happens after the fight. Where do we move? Where do we go from there? Because if we're not conscious about what happens afterwards, we're going to repeat it. We're going to repeat the same patterns. It's going to continue. We continue that until we learn the lesson. So it's also about not just fighting right, but then what, like reflecting, okay, how could I have done this different? What do we do in the aftermath of the fight? Yeah. Well, going back to that part of the book where you say it's about learning about ourselves, it's about being aware of what's going on before you even get to the fight. You have a whole section of your book about the ego, which it might sound academic to people, but it really struck a chord with me because I think most of the disagreements or fights I might have with my partner, the ones that get heated are the ones that are coming from a place of really trying to defend my own position or saying you're trying to get something out of me that I don't want to give or you're not doing the right thing. There's no perspective there. And that seemed yeah. to me, that that's why that chapter really struck a chord with me. Do you think yep. you can tell us about the role of ego in yeah. that? Yeah, when we start to understand and when we start to develop the capacity to witness our ego, 
I honestly think that this is one of the, the greatest turning points that we can experience in life. It's There's kind of the before and the after of that. And essentially, you know, people think of ego as the part, as the part of us that, it's, that is, you know, say macho, you know, or, you know, egoic or competitive. But really it's so much more than that. So essentially the ego is our sense of, it's our sense of self. It's our sense of identity. It's the part of us that we think of as who we are. And this ego this sense of self it begins to develop from when we are babies so we are born into this world and you know you look at a baby and they're so pure and they're so present and what these babies witness from us they they receive a reflection of who they are through the way that we look at them the way we interact with them and as they get older the beliefs that we teach them about the world and the things that we tell them about who they are and how they should think and as we grow as babies from babies to children and as we get older our culture our teachers our parents our peers are all contributing to this sense of identity this part of us that we end up thinking is us now when someone challenges our ideas when someone challenges that identity we take it so personally you know that's what we go into this huge defense mode because because we identify so closely with our ego, we think of it as us. So it feels like a personal attack. And that's when we become really unconscious in our fighting. You know, we're fighting, uh, we're responding from pain, hurt, triggers, we're throwing down our verbal hand grenades because there's a desperation there where it feels like a a real attack. So your partner could be just expressing their point of view about something and you're thinking, that is completely contrary to my beliefs and we can yeah. no longer be married. <laughs> Absolutely. But what you start to notice, when you start to do the work, when you become more self-aware, when you start to, to grow in your recognition of who you truly are, your ego relaxes and you're able to accept your differences more easily. You're able to allow for other people's opinions more readily and therefore you've got less to, there's less fight in it. There's less to fight, to fight about. Mm. Now, I, there is so much great information in this book, but it does strike me that this idea of self-reflection and this work that you're talking about might be easier if you weren't time poor and tired. (laughs) So I feel like this is all work that would be really helpful for parents because you know, when you're good and your relationship is good, that the family is good. You know, it's kind of the foundation, right? How can we feed our relationship so that it's not frayed and fragile, even at a point when we're feeling time poor and tired? Yeah, I feel you. I feel it because I, you know, and I know it myself. I'm a parent of a four-year-old and a two-year-old, um, and I actually wrote this book with a, a newborn in my arms. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way I did it was with coffee. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and so, and a lot of I I also had a lot had to really go to work with um, my relationship changed drastically, dramatically when I had babies. So I've really lived through that experience. And when it comes to prioritizing our relationship when we're time poor, it really is super important that we do we do prioritize it. And it can be hard because we're time for time poor, but it can be a helpful reframe. If we understand and consider the fact that one of the best gifts we can give our children 
is for our kids to see us loving each other. So quite often it's really hard. We think, oh, uh, we put our relationship on the back burner when we have our children and we focus on our children. But if we can reframe that and recognise one of the best things we can give them is to show them a healthy relationship, you know, remind yourself that you're creating the model of what their future relationships can look like. So by prioritising your connection with your partner, you're setting healthy standards. Now, at the baby stage, that's almost impossible. You know? yes. Especially when you've had your first baby, it seems impossible. So I'll say start off with the things that don't take time, which is reaching out with loving touch, you know, giving your partner five minutes to have the shower or sending them for, you know, a walk out to walk around the block. One thing I did when I had my first baby, I was very frustrated with my husband at the time <laughs> and I was getting very aggravated and, and upset and we were fighting a lot and one of the things I did was okay how can I prioritize love in this connection and how can I bring us back into union and one of the things I would do is I would hold my little baby in my arms and when his father was in earshot I'd say beautiful positive loving things about his dad I'd say you've got the most wonderful dad these are all the things I love these are the characteristics I love about your dad Right. So by saying that to my baby, I was helping myself reframe and remind myself of the things I loved about my husband. My husband could hear what I was saying and he could hear that I was making that effort. And I was offering that to my child as well. So it's the, it's the really little things when they're little. And then as they get older, it is important to start to carve out time to do things alone without the kids. And it, it, those small things, I'm always constantly surprised about how the small things can make a huge difference. Yeah. And I think that the secret for me has been understanding, I know it's an overused term, but understanding our love language. Oh, so yes. understanding Absolutely. that for us, touch is, or for me in particular, just having him reach out and hold my hand or give me a hug, yes. it releases so much tension mm -hmm. that everything else becomes easier. Yeah. But when you're tired and you're stressed and the baby's crying and you haven't had a shower for three days, it's really hard to know that those little connections that work for you actually are going to depressurize the whole relationship. Yeah, they really matter. And that's why, you know, I'm words of affirmation, which is why I used a words example. And it's the, it, it is. The love languages was something that I I learned about 25 years ago when it first came out and it has transformed my connections, my relationships. And I still hold, think to, to this day, it's one of you know the biggest gifts that we have in connecting in a really healthy way and filling each other up with love. So when, we're, when we are feeling loved, we've got a lot less to fight over. And that's why yeah. kind of my book and my first book, How to Have Meaningful Relationships, was all about that. Okay, how can we love well? Because it just prevents so much of the falling apart and the conflict and disharmony that we get down the track. Well, there is a lot in this book, which we unfortunately don't have time to go into, but I think the biggest takeaway for me is that A, we all experience conflict mm -hmm. and B, once we acknowledge it, once we reflect on it, once we get to know ourselves, we can always find a way forward. And I think that's such a great message to take out of your book. Absolutely. Emma, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. That's Emma Power. Her book is called When Love Goes South, and I'll put links to where you can get it in the notes of this episode. 
I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.